during this year, I had a prophetic word from a, an Australian prophet, and that was just before I laid hands and got it delivered and sort of sort some stuff out. But she bought me a word. It was a great word, really, very encouragement. Sometimes we just need a word from God that just comes at a time in our life that has an impact. And uh, there were many things that were spoken, and I've listened to them, and we've been just doing the things he said. Uh, he said, one of the things he said to me was not to make decisions quickly or under pressure, just to trust him and listen to him and let him guide the decisions we made over the next season. But another thing it said was, he's the God of turnaround. He's the God of turnaround who turns our circumstances around. And I want to just pick that up and just uh, take that thought, uh, and we're going to look in a passage in Scripture in John chapter 11. But before I do that, let me just show you a few situations of God turning people's lives around. How about Sarah, who was barren and over 90, and God turned it around and she brought forth a child? How about uh, Moses, who's in the desert for 40 years uh, and wandering around as a shepherd in the desert? God turned it around and he rose up and became a deliverer, fulfilled his life purpose and his God destiny. How about Joseph in a prison for all of that time? And yet God turned it around and he rose and became next to the king. God is a God of turnaround. The stories abound. Jephthah, who was rejected, but God turned it around and he became the leader of the nation. The Bible is full of stories where God turned people's circumstances around. He loves to do that. Think about another couple. You think of David at Ziklag when the city was burnt to the ground. His family had gone. His wealth had gone. And they're all about to stone him to death. But the Bible says he strengthened his hand in God in quiet of God, and God turned it around. He recovered everything and more. And it's always like that with God. He's amazing. Think about Ezekiel, and he went to the Valley of Dry Bones, and God said, can these bones live? He said, Lord, you know. He said, prophesy, and they began to live. There's another story in the New Testament of a father who had a, a child who was demonized and had lifelong sickness and causing immense problems. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So there's something common in all of these stories. And here's what's common. There's two things common. One is God supernaturally turned someone's circumstance around. The second is they had a part to play in it. They had a part to play in it. And so I want to look at that. You notice what it says, if you can believe. In every one of those situations I've just mentioned to you, God miraculously or supernaturally turned their circumstances around and brought them from a place of difficulty to the place of enlargement and blessing. Has God changed? What he did for them, he can do for you. And so the first thing is, God did something supernatural. Here's the second thing is, they all heard from God and did what God told them to do. In other words, it required something from them. Passive Christianity is an anomaly. You can't press in or hold on to or receive the things of God without being proactive. To be passive is not, it's just like it violates the principle of the kingdom of God where everything in the kingdom of God that's activated by faith is proactive. Now I want to show you something here in a story and uh, we're going to look in John chapter 11. And uh, John chapter 11, there was a certain man who was sick. He was Lazarus. He was in Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and his brother Lazarus was sick. And so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. 
there's an implication in there, isn't it? <laughs> and when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not to death, but for the glory of God that the Son of Man be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard that he was sick, he didn't get on a train and hurry there. He stayed two more days to be sure that Lazarus had died. So that's an intriguing story, isn't it? And it's a story, first thing I want you to notice is, it's a story of the friends of Jesus. The first thing to see is Mary and Martha and Lazarus were all friends of Jesus. He came to their home, they made him welcome. We could say they were believers, they're followers of Christ, just like you and I are. And there's a tendency for us to think as followers of the Lord, that life will be sweet, that everything will go well for us. But in fact, as we see in this story, as it is true for so many people, life has its great spots and it has its down spots. It has its highs, its lows, it has its tragedies, it has its great uh, things that, are, uh, uh, that, that turn out wonderful. The other day, last Sunday, I went to Moanana's house and it was a great celebration of a brand new house they were in. But about a year ago, wasn't it? I remember standing and we prayed as a body of people because the house had burnt down. And so here a year later, it's all turned around for them. And what's provided is absolutely amazing. So in this story, you notice here there's an unexpected tragedy or an unexpected grief. There's an unexpected loss that's taken place. And it's true though we follow Jesus that we can experience in life, and some of you may this year have experienced a loss or a difficulty or a disappointment of some kind. Notice that Mary uh, or Martha uh, was afraid of Lazarus dying and wanted to do all she could to get Jesus to solve the problem for them. And so she put pressure on him, you know, you love Lazarus, uh, and the implication is if you love him, you would come and help him, he's sick. I know you go around helping everyone else, but this is your friend, please come and help him. So she tried to bring pressure. Notice Jesus delayed his coming. He deliberately delayed, and he allowed his friends to go through a sorrowful circumstance. Now, when you look at it at just a superficial level, it's strange to think that Jesus would let his friends he loves go through something so sad as seeing their brother get sicker and sicker and then watch as the light went out of him and he finally died and they wrapped him up and put him in a grave. Now that is a very disappointing situation for a believer to be in to have something you hoped, dreamed, and longed for, or loved, or maybe it's a person, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a dream you've had, a vision you've had, something you've longed for, and then it's like, in spite of you praying, in spite of asking Jesus, in spite of everything you've done, it died. You ju it just died, and there's nothing you could do about it. That's a very perplexing situation, but you notice from their point of view, it was a cause of great grief, great sorrow, great disappointment, and a certain amount of offense. We can easily be offended when God does not do what we expect when we expect. He is not some Santa Claus God who just turns on when we want. He is not just there at our bidden call. He's our Father, and we're called to align with Him. You notice in this particular story, Jesus saw what the Father was doing. We tend to see the problem. Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus that his whole life was governed by what he saw the Father doing. So when the pressure came on him to manipulate him and try and control him to, to heal Lazarus, he deliberately resisted because he was governed by a higher priority, the priority of his Father in heaven. 
of all the things you could practice in this coming year would be to make doing what God is calling you to do your highest priority. And to not yield to the pressure of people or circumstances pressuring you to do what they want when they want it. That's how Jesus ran his life. He kept God first and the will of God first. This is what. They wanted an immediate relief from the pressure. God was wanting a greater glory to be revealed, the resurrection power of Jesus. Imagine the difference between someone who's sick on a bed and they get healed and someone who's dead and buried and he's gone four days, corrupted, and now he's raised from the dead. That's a much bigger miracle and a much greater weight of glory, isn't it? So the problem is we just see the thing that dying or died and we get caught up in all the things that are happening and we don't look above and say, Father, what are you doing? How should I be responding to this? That's how you live a powerful life. You keep your eyes centered on what God is doing and you don't allow yourself to be preoccupied and overwhelmed by the pain, the difficulties, the setbacks of your natural circumstances. So Lazarus for you could be, uh, uh, as I say, a friend. It could be a relationship. could be a financial situation. could be uh, something to do with a dream or desire you had. And it seems like it's all gone. But wait, there's something yet to happen. God has something bigger in mind. God has something bigger in mind in 2014 for you. God has something bigger in mind in the coming year for your life and your circumstances. God has something bigger for you. And whatever you've gone through that was hurt you, it caused grief, it caused sorrow, it caused shock, it caused disappointment, it caused offense. God has a greater glory to reveal. God something bigger for you in the coming year if you can believe. Don't sit by the grave mourning. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. I want us to go and have a look now, and I want to share with you just some simple things in here. Now, our focus is not on Lazarus. Our focus is on his, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And I want you to see four things that Jesus told them to do, four things he gave them to do. And I want to encourage you to think about any situation where there's been a sorrow, a disappointment, a grief, a loss, or a shock, and see if God doesn't speak to you in some way through this, just these four simple things. Here's the first thing. In verse 25, verse 25, this is what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Notice the first thing in the midst of all the sorrow and the weeping and the grieving, Jesus says, get your eyes off your problem. Get your eyes on me. Begin to fix your eyes on who I am. I am the resurrection. I have the power when I come into a circumstance to turn it around completely and raise up that which is dead, bring it to life, and bring it to great glory. He says, I am the life. Sometimes the things that disappointed us were things we were attached to, things that become idols in our heart. Life is not found in your possessions. It's not found in people. It's not found in position. It's not found in power. Life is found in a person, Jesus Christ. He draws their attention back to him. God is drawing our attention back to Jesus, who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. If something died, he can raise it up and give it new life. And if there's something there that's lacking life, he is the life. He can give it to you. But it requires you start to recenter your attention back on Jesus Christ. He's called us to follow him. If we follow him, we won't walk in darkness. We'll have the light of life. So the first thing in the midst of the difficult circumstance 
is center your eyes on Jesus Christ. Throughout a whole year, every day, every day, for one hour to an hour and a half a day, I've centered my life on Jesus Christ, made Him the center of my prayer, believing that He could do things that no one else could do. I have, I tell you something, last year was a very, very difficult year, but I thank God for it because it so changed me, so changed me. And what changed me was not the year or the difficulties. What changed me was the decision to set my eyes on Jesus Christ until it was Him I was beholding. I did that through meditation, through prayer, diligently every day. So notice the first thing is He draws their attention to Himself. Second thing He tells them is this. You find this one here. Here's the second thing He got them to do. And it's found in verse 34. Verse 34. Where did you bury Him? <laughs> Where did you bury Him? That's an interesting thing. There, I mean, He's been dead four days. Where's the body? So one of the things that Jesus did was this. He simply, I want you to come with me to your place of loss. Most people, when we've suffered pain or loss, don't want to remember it, don't want to go back there, we want to move on. But you know, there is no moving on without resolution. If you don't resolve things, you remain with this thing buried that's a source of pain in your life that then begins to trouble you and cause you to be afraid of further pain and then to attempt to control your life. One of the great things about Jesus when we fix our eyes on Him is He can bring us back to the place where we suffered loss or pain, but this time He is the resurrection and the life. He's coming to bring healing. I remember I was in a situation where we had about, I think, 80 students in a, in a, in a, in a, in a Bible school in, in Taiwan. And it was just the last morning we'd done some deliverance and some healing, a whole range of stuff. I said, why don't we this morning just set your eyes to have an encounter with Jesus Christ? And so I led them uh, through into an encounter and experience, and people began to weep. I got a picture of the room, and, and people all over the whole room, most of them were sitting down. Uh, I t- said, they've got no catches, so put you sit by, stand by your seat. If you fall over, then at least your seat will catch you, and uh, it's better than falling on the ground. So they did that, and so in this room, there's a majority of people were just down there, and they were weeping. Some were really starting to cry, and, and, and then the Lord dropped into my heart. Now they were encountering Him and starting to see Him and experiencing Him through meditating in Revelations uh, chapter 2 and chapter 4. As we got them into that place of encounter, the Lord said, now ask them to walk with me into a place of pain and loss. And I said, look, while you're in that place of encounter, Jesus wants you to go to a place where you really suffered. Do you know what that place is? Why don't you walk with them to it? He's about to heal you. And with that, almost immediately, there's this wail went right up for the whole room. People just began to just, there were, there were all kinds of things began to happen. Tremendous wailing and weeping as Jesus came with them into places of pain and death. You know, all that happened was, in their mind, he went with them back to remember the place of defeat, of loss, of suffering, of death. But this time, he was with them. And they got healed. And afterwards, we had so many people that had encounters where Jesus set them free, release them. Notice the third thing that Jesus tells them to do is this. third thing he tells them to do is this. He said, roll away the stone. Now, that's the thing we don't like to do. 
the stone was a huge stone that covered the grave, and it covered the rotting body. And of course, four days, you know, as Mary protested, he'll be stinking by now. And maybe there's something in your life, in your heart, that is just stinking from this last year. Maybe there's something that has happened, and you've got an attitude going on in your life, and you are fair stinking on the inside. You might be angry, you might be really bitter, there might be a lot of rage over something, and if we could just roll away the stone, oh, it would be a stink would come out from inside your life. And you have so carefully rolled a rock, a hard thing in front of it, to stop anyone seeing what's really going on. And you know, before the miracle can take place, you notice what happened? Jesus said, uncover the place of loss. Uncover that thing that's corrupt. Uncover that sin. Uncover that failure. See, we're afraid of our failures. We feel condemned by them. We're afraid of our sin. We feel beaten by them. We're afraid of so many things, so we want to cover them up, dress up, and look good. But Jesus is not afraid of sin. He walked from heaven into a world full of sin. He is not afraid of failure. He came to our failures. He died on the cross so the failures could be removed, so we could be reconnected with Him. He loves to come to where the rocks are and get them rolled away so He can reconnect you. You see that place where they had suffered the loss of their their brother was a place where they were disconnected from Jesus. When we suffer losses, we often become disconnected from God and disconnected from one another. And Jesus' whole plan was to reconnect us. So He said, you know, He said, we're not going to brush over the fact I delayed two days and your brother died. We're not going to brother, we're not going to brush over that he's dead and try to carry on and let's have a happy party to awake to celebrate. We're going to go to where he was buried and we're going to roll away and open this whole thing up. And then we're going to bring life into it. That's what Jesus does. We tend to disconnect over the places we have pain and cover them with a rock. And those places are places we live in darkness and defeat and in fear. And people in fear try to control the pain and tend to try to control all the relationships. You notice how people will say, don't go there. That's a rock. Don't go there. Hello? Roll the stone away. What's behind the stone? What is behind the stone? That needs Jesus to come and encounter you and bring healing to you. And notice Jesus just spoke. I love the way he spoke. He didn't even tell him to wake up. He didn't even tell him to live. He didn't do anything. He said, hey, come on out. Lazarus, come forth. Now, I don't know, but this guy is wrapped up in grave clothes. He's as tight as can be, wrapped up. He's got clothes around here, can't breathe. So he's obviously dead. He's been there four four days. There's a real stench. And when people come out of the grave in those days, they don't come out really free. They come out and they're... Now, that's scary stuff. It's like something out of a movie called The Mummy. I mean, that's really scary. Now, it doesn't say about how scared they were, but I can imagine you should roll the rock away and you're all not known. I mean, we read the story. We know what happens. But if you've never known what happened and someone rolls a rock away and suddenly The Mummy, oh, oh. of course, Lazarus has suddenly returned and he's, all t- he's tight and he's bound up. He needs to be set free. And Jesus' last words were to them were this. Unwrap the grave clothes. Interesting, the grave clothes were put on by people. 
They represent judgments, accusations, condemnation, offenses, all kinds of things that people get wrapped up in. And maybe you're wrapped up in some grave clothes today and you need to get unwrapped. The interesting thing was, Lazarus couldn't do a thing. He just needed to get the miracle. But those of his family needed to do several things. Number one, point out where the body lay. Two, roll away the stone and expose the problem. Huh? They had to do that. Three, they had to then get involved in releasing him. And one of the things that's true is that even when people come to life in Christ, they've got a lot of junk in their lives that needs unraveling. I think on that day, no one was worried about grave clothes. No one was worried about grave stench. No one was worried. They were full of joy that someone was alive that once was dead, and they were all too glad to come and remove the grave clothes. Friends, there's two things I want you to think about today. One, if you have a place of death, a place of something which has happened in this past year, don't just put, bury it. Don't just put a rock, roll a rock in front of it. Make a decision to get your eyes back on Jesus Christ and look to see what he wants to do and give him access to that place in your life. Open it up to him and let him bring you out into a new life in 2014. If you've come out of the grave and you're already in a place where you've come out, but maybe there's stuff wrapped around you, sometimes we just need to get involved with others to help us to get free of the things that got around our life. Find someone to talk to. Find someone to pray for. Get in a small group. Get connected with people. You notice he had to connect with other people or people connected with him, and that's what got him free of all the grave clothes. So those grave clothes affected his walk. That's his relationships. Affected his hands. That's his works. Affected his face, his, his identity, who he was. And I believe in this coming year, God is wanting to remove the grave clothes off many, many people. He's wanting to unlock your identity, who you are in Christ. He's wanting to unlock your hands so you begin to do the things he called you to do. And he's wanting to unlock your feet so that you begin to have relationships and walk and live like God called us to live, walking in love, walking in the light. We say amen to that. I want to just close our eyes right now. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Jesus. You are the resurrection and the life. We thank you that no matter what happened to us, or around us in 2013, there is a greater glory ahead for us. You are the God of turnaround. And so we open our hearts to you right now. Just while, just in a moment, just of quietness, just right now, I wonder how many people God has spoken to you about something that died, something that's been buried, something you've covered up in this last year, and you know in your heart God's speaking to you, saying, roll away the stone. Let me see where this is buried. Roll away the stone. Get your eyes back on me again. If you know that God's speaking to you that way, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Could be a person, a friendship that's been lost, a relationship that's been breached, something you've suffered in, a dream, a vision. You say, God, it was so hard. It was so difficult. and I didn't see all the time what you were trying to do, but oh my goodness, Lord, I just see there's a greater glory ahead if I will respond to you. That you today, once you raise your hand, God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. Many hands going up. Notice what Jesus did. Get your attention back on him. He's the resurrection and the life. He is the one that can bring life to that lost dream. Go back to the place where it's buried, where you lost it, where something went. Go back and roll away the stone. That wall you put up, that protection you put up, that covering you put up, just roll it away. And let Jesus speak life into you.
bring it to him. And it may be that there's an outworking. There may be things you've got to let go of on the way. You may need others to do that. Why don't you make connections and say, listen, God has brought me out of the grave, but look, I just need you to stand with me and to walk with me as I seek to now come into the things that God has for me in this coming year. Father, I just thank you for each person that's responded today. Is there any person here who's never received Jesus? Be a great thing for you to do it. The last thing this year to receive Jesus as your Savior. You'd like to raise your hand if you don't know Jesus as a, as a you're not a believer yet, not a follower of Christ, and you want to come to Him, just raise your hand. Let me know. God bless. God bless. Father, I just thank you for people responding today. And I thank you, Lord, that if we will open our life, you will come. You will come. You will come. You will come. When you feel his presence here right now. Brett, why don't you just come and stand there? Just, just come and stand there just in front of me. I noticed you put your hand up.